With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are YWales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, YWales, wherever in the world you are and whatever day it is. Uh, we have, again, just one of those super special, like, I mean, again, the some of the rock stars of Web3. We're here with Valk, uh, Antoine, and uh, Eli, who's having a couple uh, couple audio issues, so Antoine's going to be interpreting for him. Uh, but, but again... We're, we're just really lucky and really blessed to be so much in the center of, of the Web3 movement right now. And so let's take, we're going to take a second and, and really we want to hear kind of, uh, Antoine, if you, if you wouldn't mind, kind of what it took to get you to the point, you know, prior, right before Valk, um, you know, your, your time in the industry, your time around blockchain, crypto, because what you guys are doing is really, really um, big, <laughs> to say the least. And I think a lot of people agree uh, with that statement. So first of all, <clears throat> thanks. Uh, thank you very much for taking uh, for inviting us onto uh, onto Y Wales. We're super excited and uh, and have heard a lot of good things about about the program. Um, in terms of you know what what brought us to the to the point of uh, of uh, of building what we're doing right now with Valk and in general getting involved in the whole ecosystem and Web three uh, movements. Everyone has, has, you know, different personal stories. I can I can speak a bit for myself and and explain Elise uh, Elise path into into um, into up until Web three and, and into crypto originally. So initially, I was not um, I, I I do not come from a pure crypto uh, crypto background. I've been working in several industries, but main, mainly centered around around finance. So. I started my career in investment banking, uh, helping startups and tech companies raise funds. So, you know, back then, uh, that was, you know, back in 2014, 15, uh, there weren't many blockchain applications out there, but very early on, had a contact with entrepreneurs, with new solutions that are trying to improve industries and transform them. Always, I would say, and always looking at this from the, from the financial angle and helping them raise money through, through VCs and others. Um, I then continued in the world of finance, but focused around the energy industry. So worked in private equity and in M&A, uh, helping renewable energy companies, many developers of infrastructure, wind farms, solar farms, uh, get the necessary financing. Sometimes we also invested in the project in the private equity firm where I was. And uh, this basically helped me get a well-rounded understanding of how traditional finance works. And obviously, I had been following whatever was happening in crypto and blockchain from afar. Had done a few investments myself, but nothing uh, um, nothing major. But it was really, you know, the moment when we started discussing with, uh, with Ellie, what is this infrastructure behind crypto? How can it be used that, you know, we realized that all of this traditional finance potential could be applied and could be really um, improved, especially on the infrastructure side, thanks to blockchain and crypto. 
Um, I don't know if Eli's mic, Eli mic's, Eli's mic worked, but I can. I tried to fix it. Now it's better. Okay, so you can speak yeah, the camera. That's so, really um, cool. So yeah, basically, it's when we two years ago when we started speaking uh, with Eli about you know how does uh, the infrastructure behind crypto work? Can it be applied to traditional finance? that we launched uh, the project and uh, then we'll tell you about the few iterations that we've had. Um, but uh, it's been a, it's been basically a, a step-by-step and uh, opportunity-driven path for both of us to, to get to this point. Awesome. Eli, yeah, perfect. With, a, with a working mic. Exactly. So sometimes <laughs> you invest in a good PC but you still need to get this extra cam that comes with a mic <laughs> uh, to plug it into your USB uh, uh, output and uh, for, it, for it to work. Okay. So, um, yeah, so as Antoine was saying, so I come more from a technical background, computer science engineer, um, I was working at the bank, uh, BNP Paribas. And then in 2015, there was some people asking about um, blockchain and so on. So I was very interested back then. And um, I started working, funny enough, on blockchain even before me getting into crypto. So usually it's the other way around. And although I, um, I knew about Bitcoin in 2013, it was like... Uh, my wife told me about it, and I said, oh, "Okay, that's nothing." And I didn't even like read the white. I didn't even read the white paper or anything, and I moved forward. And then, in 2000, end of 2015, the bank started looking at this technology to see what they can do with it. In 2016, I was staffed on two projects: cash management and trade finance, one after the other, to be the lead architect for implementing proof of concepts. You know, like big banks, they like proof of concepts. So. Uh, were the expert in that. So um, we built, um, funny enough, um, when we start looking at the technology, the first blockchain we looked at, uh, not even Ethereum, Ethereum was created in 2016. And the first blockchain that I have worked on was NXT. I don't know if, if, yeah, if that, it that's exists. Yeah, that's an old one. <laughs> exactly, it's a very old one. So NXT was the first one, then we worked on Ethereum and then Hyperledger. Um, so yeah, I was uh, the lead architect for those projects. Then, uh, in 2017, um, I decided to leave and uh, to join um, a company called Viewfin um, in Shanghai. So um, I worked with them on the centralized exchange. Uh, I, w I was responsible for adding the liquidity to the to, to the exchange. Then moved to another company called Link in Nanjing, um, which was building a decentralized exchange for cryptocurrency. So it's not the DEXs that we know today with the AMM, but the idea was to build a wrapper for each token. So we take each blockchain, we create an, an abstraction layer of that those blockchain. Sorry if, if I'm going into you know, into a lot of details. We can go over them later no, no, on. We're not going to slow you down, man. This is your yeah. passion. <laughs> Amazing. And then, yeah, so we built a decentralized exchange, uh, mainly a wrapper for all the token uh, technologies sold um, to a private equity firm that was heavily invested in, in, in crypto, stayed with them until the end of 2018, and then uh, came back to Europe to start the journey with Antoine. 
And so it was very funny because in 2018, there was a big boom and hype about taking greed word asset and tokenizing them. And like the promise was the liquidity. <laughs> of course, uh, by tokenizing assets, you don't create that liquidity. Liquidity has to come from people willing to trade, right? Yep. And crypto um, emerged because there was it was first easy to have this liquidity, but there was an intention to have this liquidity, which is not the same. And if we speak about private equity, yeah, unless you're tether, and then you just create your own liquidity, yeah, out of, exactly. out of thin air. So we like appreciate that is, you guys are actually yeah. going the right way. Yeah, basically, uh, the, what what a lot of people were promising and saying is that uh, because the asset is tokenized, it's going to be you know easier to trade. And the, the reality, if it's the same underlying asset with the same characteristics, whether it's wrapped around the blockchain standard or paper, whatever, is exactly the same thing. What is the transformation with tokenization? Is the infrastructure behind all of these assets, and then what you can do with it? Can you use them as collateral? Can you list them, yeah. you know, transfer them easily and in an easier way on exchanges and so on? So, well, one thing um, that was very important in our journey in tokenization, um, mainly the the driver behind the liquidity that came into crypto was retail. It was not institutions in the in the beginning, right? And we thought in the beginning when we start working on asset tokenization that those assets can be proposed to retail investors. And we directly realized that it will not be that easy. You would have to go through the same route of selling a security, meaning not everyone has access to it. Only only professional or some um, type of investors. And this was, in my opinion, um, blocking that liquidity that would we could have been able to unlock if we gave access to others. Now, of course, I understand all those um, regulatory requirements, but it was a blocker for um, for for the security. Uh, long story short, so we built a tokenization uh, platform. Uh, I'll let Antoine speak more about it later on, um, and how we moved from this tokenization platform into the, the Web3. So, so the the concept, you know, really was born with, you know, after years. This was not, you know, in some cases we hear about like, hey, I, I learned about crypto last week. Uh, right. I, I wrote a quick protocol, and and you know, now I have you know a billion dollars in in, in, <laughs> in assets. You guys have, you, I mean, you started, you know, pre Ethereum, which is which is actually pretty rare um, from a smart contract, you know, DeFi perspective. So that that gives you guys a, a, a different, really a different outlook on what we're seeing today, um, and and then really attacking the problem. Yeah. So. so yeah, and Antoine, I think it's worth uh, speaking about our technological choice um, yeah. because this tokenization platform was built, funny enough, beginning of 2019 when we started on Ethereum, but we shifted very, very quickly on another technology. <laughs> and now we are also looking um, at what um, do we stay on the same technology? How is it helping us or not? Fabulous. Yeah, so basically, um, Look, we've we've been working on this for for about three years, and we are constantly, you know, speaking and trying to sell and push our solution to to regulated financial institutions. So, you know, our office in the city where all these banks are, as you can see, <laughs> and we have a very client and market driven approach, right? So, 
our technological choice initially. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I will not show my background. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> it's not the city. <laughs> exactly. So basically, the um, the the idea was that initially we very early on understood that, you know, if banks and financial institutions want to adopt uh, blockchain standards for for their infrastructure, it needs to be a permissions uh, permission standard. So we started building on Corda in uh, 2019 um, when we started really getting into production and getting some clients that were interested in using our tool for their everyday deals. And um, the idea around that was really to try and um, move, I would say, the discussion away from, you know, oh, this is a blockchain solution, this is something similar to crypto and so on and so forth, to what is the real value behind it. And we understood that when you present the tool and the solution as in, okay, this tool allows you to allows you to do your you know do your deals digitally, have some interoperability between platforms, be able to list on a digital digital exchange in an easier way. Today, for example, if you want to do that, take this asset as collateral to borrow from you know DeFi liquidity and so on and so forth. At the end of the day, you know the the user of the platform becomes less, I would say, worried or intrigued about how the technology works in the background, but focuses more on, on you know, the solutions you can bring to them. Now, today, where, you know, everyone is in, a, is in, another, um, is in another mindset where you've had this tremendous growth in DeFi uh, with all types of new protocols and technologies that can be used that have emerged, you know, in the last year and became... Uh, protocols valued at, you know, tens of billions of dollars. And there is a possibility to build across different protocols, use cross-chain solutions, and so on and so forth. What remains to be seen is out of all of these, you know, new innovations that I've just put out and you said, okay, about these teams that, you know, started a project a week ago and grew very fast to understand, like, you know, further down the line, how many of these solutions are going to follow the market needs and the market demands and how many of the solutions really understand the under underlying problems in the industry they're trying to solve um, and follow the needs of their clients with different evolutions. And I think it's it's a good transition um, to to speak about, you know, potentially uh, what we've been focusing on also in the past six months, which, which is um, a, a pure DeFi solution, uh, which is, you know... We jump into the solution. Yeah. Can you, Sorry. Can you start with what the problem is that you've kind of like narrowed down on, right? I think that's always really helpful for, for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. What is the specific, like, because obviously like it's a huge industry. We've just talked about loads and loads of different problems. Like, which is kind of the problem you guys are really focusing on? Like, what's the starting point? What's the, the core the core problem you're attacking? I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Really, it's um, just before you start, it's about understanding um, there is a different problem. The two products that we have are solving, right? right? So yeah. We should start, Eli, you can start with the, because we've spoken about the, the video, which is the traditional finance solution that we have. You can start, uh, let's just, you know, tell them. Yeah, so I'll focus mainly on the, um, on the DeFi solution that we are creating, right? Um, and if you want to go even deeper in the tokenization solution um, or what we're building between the DeFi solution and the tokenization solution that we have, uh, we can also dig into that. Um, speaking purely about DeFi, Stefan, um, 
Is, is, that, is that okay for you? If we only focus on the DeFi? That's, that's perfect. Let's start with the problem you're solving, though. I think I really want to make yeah. sure that we yeah. like, highlight so, that for people because yeah. a lot of times we jump right to the solution, then it ends up being yes. confusing if you don't really uh, so today investing in DeFi is very easy because it's open to everyone. But once you're in front of your CE or the protocol that you want to invest in, it's not as easy as it is as investing when you're on Binance. And let me tell you. First, let's say I'm gonna take concrete example so we make it more firm, more realistic for, for the for the listener. Let's take Ave. Okay. I go, I deposit on Ave. So the idea of depositing on Ave is to lend some money to someone else. So I deposit, let's say, some an ETH. The idea of this deposit is to generate some yield so I can get it. So I deposit one ETH day one. I go to Avi day 10. I see that uh, I have a position which generated some yield. But what I see on Avi is one number. So I don't see how much I invested, how much fees I paid, how much was the price of Ether Ethereum at that time. I only see how much today I have. Which is, if someone is, I would not like to say gambling, but if someone is just putting it to, 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 to try it, that, that's okay. But if you are a real investor, a real trader, you would want to know at which position you entered, at what time you entered on that position, what is the price on which you entered, compared to the current price, how much yield you have gained, and what the fee that you paid for the transaction. Now, if you understand a bit blockchain and DeFi, you can start to aggregate those data. Like you can go to, um, for example, Etherscan to see how much you paid in Ethereum, in ETH for transaction fee. You can uh, take uh, the transaction ID, the timestamp, and check what was the price of Ethereum at that time. But this is a lot of work, and this is only for one transaction. So think about it. This is one protocol, one transaction. What if we have 10 positions on three different protocols? So you need to do that work. And today, the funny thing is, we did a survey, and people, when we, when we asked them, some of them, they tell us, I'm not able to track. Like, what are you investing in? Does Ave not offer that? Like, what keeps them? This seems like an obvious thing. Like, what keeps their current... Because, so... So first, it's good because it's, it gives opportunity for a lot of other uh, product, not only us, other product to, to build some stuff. And the main reason of the existence of Avi is to lend and borrow. You put money, you generate fields, you generate yield, you, you get this yield. If you interact only with the smart contract of Avi, the only thing that they would give you is uh, your current position. If you want to go and get historical data, you would need to use another protocol, for example, the graph. If you want to know how much fees you paid, Aave does not know how much fees you paid in Ethereum to do that transaction because you're doing it in your wallet. So they would not go and... There's a technical challenge with it? Like, and this is like an L1 problem? And so they just... No, I, or do they just care? They don't no, I don't... I don't think, and it's not their, uh, I would say, their main proposition. Their main proposition, you, you deposit money, you generate yield, you borrow money, 
you put collateral and you can borrow money and you pay and, and you pay interest on them. This is their proposition. And same thing for debts. I just wondered why they don't offer this. Like this seems like an obvious thing. No, but it's always been really interesting. Even so, it's very funny that you're asking this question. Even if they offer it today, if you speak to DeFi investors, no one has only um, positions on one protocol. And I go back to the same thing that I was saying in, in the beginning. It's not the same experience on being on a centralized exchange because Binance is giving you all that data. And on Binance, you can find more or less a lot of pairs that you can trade with. Now, on, in DeFi, Aave is only a lending borrowing platform. If you want to invest in a liquidity pool, you would have to go to Uniswap. If, you, if, if the pool is very big and you have a smaller amount, then the fees that you would generate by having an LP token is low. So you need to go to another protocol that has a liquidity pool, which is much smaller, where you can gain more fees from this liquidity pool. So this makes the problem not only not understanding if you invest in one platform, but it make it more difficult because you have several platforms that you need to monitor all of them. And imagine you as a trader, instead of having one screen, so you'd, have, you'd need to have like J, uh, seven or eight screen, <laughs> eight screen. Yeah, exactly. <coughs> I like Amazing studio. I like so the guys, fact that you've, you've made a differentiator between the actual professional investors and the degenerate yeah. gamblers, like um, basically, which I generally okay. am, am on the other side of. Yeah. So ba basically, the, 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 issue, yeah, the issue we saw like high level is that you have, you know, two and a half trillion worth of crypto out there. I mean, now it's a bit less. And the crypto is sleeping in wallets, like cash is sleeping in bank accounts, right? These people want to put their, their crypto to work. That's why DeFi is booming. All the protocols are amazing. And out of our research, you have more than half that is basically of the market that's being moved by institutional. These guys don't have proper tool that can allow them to connect the wallet get their position across protocols, like Eli is saying, and then do all of the trading and cool strategies and arbitrage without having to go to each individual platform. We did a big analysis. We interviewed more than 100 funds, sat down with them, and saw that there was a big need to improve their day-to-day -day operations. For some of them, just to allow them to trade because they couldn't trade if they didn't have all of their accounting. And that's how, basically, we entered i mean the DeFi space with the specific uh with a specific offering as i told you before we're following the needs of the market and of our partners and not the other way around just inventing a you know inventing an imaginary problem that doesn't exist and get a cool i, I a feel cool like you're just directly yeah. tackling ohm like just like you know and and climbing all these guys like hey they just made it up and it seemed to work no but i i really want to point out and i think this is very important it's a to, protocol yeah um, it, it, it is it is it's really a, good I have to. I have a lot of respect to them, honestly. Tons, tons. Yeah. But, yeah. but but it, but you're but one of the different difference between that is, and again, the technology behind what they built is is beautiful. It's fantastic, and and regardless of what's happening today, it will change the world. The yes. difference is, is you guys are coming from. You have to integrate with traditional laws, traditional standards. You know, you can't just operate in in this you know world that that may exist some someday, but it's not here now. And so, what you guys are describing is is a very big difference between you know an independent person that just wants to play around and and you know they'll they'll figure out their taxes, they'll figure out their things later. They may, they may not. We don't know. But at the end of the day, 
institutions, um, corporations, and, and funds have a need today to be able to access these protocols and be able to, to manage reporting. Because let's be clear, I've, I've talked to CPAs around the world. Nobody, no, no one is, is comfortable with, with what's happening. And you guys are giving at least a, a fighting chance <laughs> at, at a traditional K-1. So, but it, it doesn't stop there because what we want to go and where we want to go a bit further with Eli is that all of these very cool tools and this knowledge we've developed for the institutionals, we believe everyday investors and DGENs should also be able to use them and benefit from them, right? Because these guys all also need to be able to have a view on their portfolio or pay taxes. Maybe they don't always do that, but at least they have the possibility with us. And most, most importantly, be able to, you know, Trade on these, uh, trade on these, uh, on these, uh, on these protocols, and potentially also use more complex strategies. And you know, one very cool thing that could happen in the future, and we've had already, you know, good feedback on that, is imagine you could take the very well, um, you know, proven and tested strategies of some professional investors and make them available to everyday traders, right? So all of these things, you know, it's not about making all of these cool tools just for the institutionals and, and you know, completely shunning away from, from what you would call, you know, the retail investors is understanding what are the best practices and the best technology and standards we can gain from the institutionals because they are the ones, you know, supplying us with the good feedback and further down the line, potentially making it available to everyone. Maybe jump quickly. Can you give us a quick overview of the of what you've built? Let, let's start at like a really high level and then d- dig in from there. Yeah, Lee, you want to? You yeah, wanna yeah sure. Yeah. So what we've built is um, a multi-step uh, product, and I'll start with the first. We'll tackle the first problem, which is I have some positions. I don't understand how much I earned, how much I paid in fees, and so on. So we call it Merlin, which is our DeFi smart wallet. Um, you just need to either connect to your wallet or to copy paste the wallet and um, in the browser and then we'll run some calculation we are able to connect to um, uh, to DeFi protocols to understand your positions aggregate a lot of information from a scan from the graph and so on and so on to tell you what's on which price you entered the current price uh, transaction fee what's your yield what's your PNL also, one thing that is kind of annoying today um, on DeFi is that if you invest in um, the uh, Aave, let's say they give you some token that called an A token, which is representing of what you can get in yield. On Compound, you get a C token. On Yearn, you get a Y token. If you invest in a liquidity pool, you get an LP token that is representing half of one currency, half of the other currency. So. Me as an investor, I want to know what is my position, for example, in DAI. And I will not go and gather the A DAI, C DAI, Y DAI, uh, the LP token in DAI. So what we do is we understand all of this. We extract that information and we show you DAI on one line. So DAI, your position, holding, your PNL, the yield might be negative because you have you did some borrowing and so on. And we take into account all your transactions. Now, if you want to go more in detail, you can click on more about this currency and we show you more your transaction per protocol, your transaction um, yeah, per currency, it's, we choose one currency, how much it has yielded, the PNL, and so on. So it's a clear understanding of what are your conclusions. And, it, and funny enough, when we were doing some testings, so 
uh, we, we started testing with, uh, with our wallet, like the devs wallet uh, and people from the company. And we realized that none of us made some gain because you know, when you invest on Ethereum, not a very big amount, you, you pay a lot of transaction fees. And some investment they were done, I mean, end of 2020, so where the, where the market was down when the market was lower than now, you see, so paying those transaction fees is sometimes crazy on Ethereum. So, so this is the first thing. This is Merlin. So Merlin, you can think about it as an accounting tool, a DeFi smart wallet. Hey, sorry, before we move on. Okay, so yeah. it's it's a wallet, it's a browser plugin, or it's a mobile wallet? Or both? Uh, so um, it's, uh, it's on the web browser and will release also um, a mobile application on, um, on, on Apple and on uh, Android. But you know, like most DeFi trading is not really done on, uh, on yeah. mobile. Yeah, we, yeah, we've analyzed this and most, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's done via um, web uh, application, mainly DeFi. And so, okay, all that information is displayed inside the wallet, or there's gate app website type situation that gives me all the info. It's like all in one place, or it's two separate. Yeah, so it's like you go to EtherScan today, you copy paste your wallet, and you get information. You can do the same thing using our platform. Connect, like I don't have to start. I can still use MetaMask. This is an addition to MetaMask, or it's a replacement. Yeah, you, so you can either connect your MetaMask. And you'll understand why in the second product, or you can copy paste. If you have several wallets, you can add all of them. And the good thing is that uh, you can add several wallets uh, from different chain, and would be able that this is the same currency from chain one and chain two, and still show you one line of how much the yes, yes. Yeah, because that's a huge pain because everything is different. Um, yeah. Okay, how how is it differentiated from something like Zapier? So first, uh, uh, as I told you, we show you only one line about each currency and we can do multi-chain. And the other thing is uh, we can take historical data. So when we speak about accounting, you don't really care about your instant and current value, even though we can show you how much gain you have done. If you are doing reporting for this uh, on the 31st of December, you want to know at that time how much yield you have received and you want to know how each transaction deposit or whatever you did has generated. So let's say on the 31st of December, I deposited a big amount, let's say 1 million in ETH. But I have some ETH position earlier on from November. I don't want to uh, link the yield that I have generated to the new deposit. I want to link it to the old deposit. We're, we're also able to do that. So what was spoken, what, what, what I have spoken about is only our front end, but we are opening up our API so that institutions, they can connect to this API and get historical data, current data, and they can analyze them themselves the way they want. So historical data is something that is not very easy today to do in DeFi, and we are providing this to our customers. And, and a lot of this, you know, I, I want to, you know, kind of preface and, and, and it's hard because we're just kind of talking and there's not a, a bunch of visuals and, and hopefully one of these days you'll approve my, uh, my account so I can come in and use the protocol. But, um, you, you, there's a lot more than we'll just. give you access to the beta testing. There we go. Which you can do it tomorrow. <laughs> Good, done. So, but but there's a lot more that's going on here, and so I want to you know kind of say that we're talking about one protocol, and I think that what what Stefan's kind of getting at is there is an ecosystem that you've created for professional 
traders, DGENs or walk, you know, can obviously use it and they'll benefit from it. But, but for professional institutions, you have not just the ability to continue using MetaMask or whatever it is and grab their historical trades, um, but you can actually create deals and you can, and you can work, you know, Hey, you're, you're going to, uh, work data rooms. You're going to coordinate with other team members. Um, so it seems, it seems like you guys have really kind of come about this from an enterprise so, solution more than a DGEN yeah. solution. So basically, um, what you're referring to is, uh, is um, in terms of you know the enterprise solution, both our products, you know the the traditional finance products and the DeFi product are today enterprise solutions, right? Okay. Now, what can happen is that the DeFi the DeFi product and offering that we have can also be distributed to retail further down the line because we've realized you know they they deserve and they can use all of these tools as well themselves. It's very easy, very scalable. They just need to connect the wallet. Now. Where it's interesting, and you know, when you speak about the data rooms, like creating deals and so on and so forth, this can relate to either our first product or to where we want to go uh, as our, you know, end vision as a company, which is to potentially connect, you know, traditional finance with DeFi. And um, I think we touched upon it, you know, last time we last time we met. It's basically the idea that you could in the future have a user of our, DeFi, of our DeFi platform that has some crypto and wants to put it to work. And instead of just you know, depositing their assets into a pool or a protocol that is a crypto-to-crypto -crypto one that can generate very good APY, but maybe has some you know, <coughs> risk-adjusted returns that they don't want to take full exposure in their portfolio and these guys want to diversify a little bit, they can have the possibility to invest in some of these deals from traditional finance and generate yield and interest that comes from traditional, you know, SMEs, funds, strategies, debt, and so on and so forth. So this is something we're working on. And we believe it can be quite transformational in the sense that, you know, it can help DeFi investors diversify, uh, diversify on their strategies, and it can help also, you know, some of their some of their crypto to be put to work and support the real economy. Working already on some, yeah. Sorry. So, you know, that's really interesting, actually, because I think one of the things, like, obviously, that's like a very common thesis, right? And I feel like lots of people approach it different ways. Do you actually feel that the DeFi crowd wants diversity into traditional assets? Because I've always struggled to see the audience that really, like, I can totally see Trad wanting to get into DeFi. I've just, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure the audience of DeFi that wants to diversify is, because that's just a, it feels like people in, crypto or in crypto and they don't want trap. So this is this is if you take into, you know, as an assumption that they will be putting all of their assets into a, a TradFi strategy, which is not going to be the case. What we're speaking about is a diversification of um, some of their strategy into, I would say, more reasonable APYs, that, but that can be more stable in the long term. This is what it is. Now, we've already had some, some indications within the market from other, I would say, projects that are proposing the same thing that, you know, this, this can definitely be the case. We also know that a lot of DAOs that have, you know, that need to be careful with what they do with their treasury uh, could also potentially be interested in such strategies. So, obviously, the idea is not to take the assumption that you'll have 50% of uh, of the TVR that will go into TradFi, this is never going to be the case. But because we already have these two products and we already be able to propose access into DeFi and access into TradFi, some of the best-in-class deals that we have into TradFi 
can get an audience in in the DeFi in the DeFi um, community. But then again, as we told you, the first thing all of us are focusing on is making sure we can achieve, you know, what we've proposed to um, and what we've promised to our to our users and to our community. So on the DeFi side is to help them navigate through the complexities of reporting and then trading in one simplified and unified tool. And on the TradFi side, it's to digitize our processes and tokenize our assets. And I think, Stefan, you're referring more to uh, retail investors that yeah. are looking at those APY of 40, 50, 60. And those currencies or whatever application proposing those APYs, 50%, 60%, for me, they are like, they're candy tokens, because the only reason they can propose that APY is by producing more token. And by producing more token, they're devaluating the price. And then an investor, when they start using Merlin, they will realize that the dollar value that they've done on such token is, is minus. And when they see that, they would realize, okay, I'm really losing, so I need to... Uh, <laughs> to start trading against the dollar and not against uh, an APY of 60% of one currency was being devaluating. Yeah. I, I feel personally attacked. So, but that, that brings up a very good point. And I think that you guys, again, being, being bridging, you know, TradFi and DeFi bring up a very big point that I talk about quite often. And, and I'd love to hear, you know, kind of your thesis around this is how should people be valuating you know these 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 cryptocurrencies because the the oracles are you know supposed to be you know kind of keeping things in check and to be clear I I, I see a lot of problems in and around that industry or around around the oracles saying what's worth something based on you know one person bought a coin and now all of a sudden the valuation has gone up a thousand x um, how how what's what's the best way that you guys and, and it sounds like Merlin's trying to attack this issue but um, you know how how do you guys integrate with oracles and and how do you feel that 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 should change in the future to help people better understand what these API apys actually are that's a very hard question no but you're you're, the, you're one of the smartest people we've had on here so I want to hear like like what yeah is, you know this is a, a big question so the problem is you cannot provide 70-80% without producing or putting or adding liquidity to the market. It's impossible. It's really impossible. And and we've seen it. So a lot of big protocols, they have a token just to have a token. And um, some protocol, um, you can get their token without even investing, without even buying their token, because you just do something on their platform and you get their token. So it's it's candy token. and. It's like in reality, if they tell you this is a bond that is uh, yielding 80%, like you would know that there is something behind it, right? So uh, we're talking about looks right now because I feel like now we're talking about looks. <laughs> Just appear. There's many, there's many things. There, there is no issue with that, and we have no problem yeah. with that because these are protocols you'll be able to access for our DeFi product. Yeah, we're just, um, we're just saying that, and you know, investors should be informed of of what's behind that. We're lucky because now we've been dealing a lot with, uh, with institutionals. But when we go towards a more retail audience, I think you know your point is right that maybe you know on top of the 
pure accounting and 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 portfolio management tools that we that we bring to them it could be good to have some sort of analysis some sort of intelligence that can be plugged into the platform for people to be informed about you know um what are the the um, you know what's behind this this api how is it calculated and so on and so forth and i mean you know we are investors in all these protocols we we have nothing against them i think it's really cool you just need to you just need to diversify your portfolio in a way that if you know this bond explodes or whatever well then you're you're yeah and in in fact when when you look at um when you look at the cryptocurrency okay so uh, there is I, I classify them in, in three parts. There is one which is payment, like Bitcoin. There is two which is, I call it blockchain, because it's an infrastructure token. And there is three that is DAP, a DAP token. So uh, a token that can only be used on the, on, the, on the platform. So to compete with Bitcoin on the payment, it's very hard. So all the guys that tried to, in 2017 to build a token that you build a token that you can pay to go to the gym or whatever. They use this, they don't exist anymore. Blockchain token, very interesting. Because blockchain token, you can really have um, a value behind the token. And the value that you can create behind the token is how much this blockchain is used. Because the more wallet you have on the on this blockchain, the more transaction you would have. The more transaction you would have, the more fees they would pay. In order for them to pay the fees, they need to buy this token. Same thing with developers. The most developers that are building on that chain, they need to deploy this new code. In order to deploy that new code, you need this currency. So there is an economics behind it. So someone building a blockchain and attaching a token to their blockchain, like ETH or whatever, uh, Avalanche and other, there is a real value. You just go and see the number of transactions, the number of active wallet, and you can get and and, and try to go uh, and take two graphs. One, the number of transactions, and two, the, um, the price of the token. And on blockchain tokens, uh, like I named them, you would see a correlation. Because it's logical. Right now, the third one is a DAP token, and here we need to be very careful because DAP token. Sometimes the token is not related mm-hmm. at all to the how good the platform is doing. So you can have a platform that is generating millions and millions, but there is no link between how much they're been used and how much the user of the token are benefiting from this usage. So this is risky. Now, to add more complexity to that, you have platform that they create that link, but they produce a lot of token. So even if they're doing millions and millions of, gen- of generating revenue and redistributing that revenue or whatever they call it to their investors, to their uh, token holders or stakers, they're still producing much more to keep up this high API. So uh, to um, uh, to get more crowd. Yeah, and, and, and to be clear, it's it's not a it's not a, a, a problem of any one protocol. It's an industry, you know, issue that that somewhat that just is one of these things that I believe has to be solved before we'll see true, you know, adoption across the board because it's really confusing um, in some cases to to just see 
uh, very small trades move some some you know some of these liquidity pools so so fast. Yeah. So the best question to ask yourself: Can I use this platform without its token, or if I remove the token uh, from the formula of how or the, this ecosystem can this platform works on its own without the token? If the answer is yes, then of course maybe you should not. <laughs> you should not consider it. Yes, if yes, yes, but uh, you can look into that. No, then uh, you should look uh, how uh, famous uh, those guys are, and maybe if they attract a lot of users, it will be beneficial. I, I feel like I need this. This is not investment advice. Of course, this is not investment <laughs> advice. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just a tech guy developing. No, but, but, <laughs> but yeah. So, so, but yeah. again, this is really fascinating to hear the talks because I think a lot of times people don't understand, you know, what's under the hood um, in, in in blockchain and 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 uh, especially DeFi. DeFi, there's you know, when you're talking about peer to peer, and when we're talking about again some really really complex, like even the most basic you know, DeFi protocols out there and yours is much more advanced, you know, still there's a lot under the hood to make that happen. Um, and understand, you know, you're, you're combining, you know, so many different APYs, um, or not APYs, but APIs, um, around here. So, you know, jumping, jumping forward and, and kind of into, you know, where Valk is, is today and, and kind of heading, you know, a little bit more, um, into the, the near future, you know, what, what's your, what's your kind of success goals for, for 22? So, in terms of um, of what we want to achieve by the end of the year, it's um, it's you know it's it's quite similar on the two products. First of all, on the initial one, the TradFi product, we want to continue scaling it, and um, you know we have already a hundred institutions using it. We want to double that number, and uh, if possible, start having some bulge bracket banks onto onto the mix because now we've done really well with boutiques and medium-sized players, which enabled us to, to scale a lot. And we want to, um, to push it further with some, some larger players. And stay tuned, there'll, there'll probably be some announced, uh, we hope, in the next three to four months. On the DeFi solution, um, we're better testing the, the Merlin solution now with some very interesting uh, buy-side players, hedge funds, and some market makers. We can't say the names. But then again, the idea is to finish and wrap up the beta testing as fast as we can and be able to roll it out to, to these guys. And then, you know, if you look at the roadmap, once they've used uh, the PMS system, you know, we want to push them to start trading, to start proposing some cool strategies using the strategies we propose to them. Um, and um, another, I would say, objective we have and uh you know it was supposed to come a bit later but now we're pushing it forward is to also share what we built with merlin to to uh to everyday traders and i think this uh we'll try to push it before the end of uh of the semesters to you know really build on that community and have uh have a lot of um have a lot of feedback and a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of users on the tool and finally, what we discussed about the bridge between TradFi and DeFi, the idea would be to, uh, to be able to execute one or two landmark deals and transactions uh, before the end of the year to really show that this can be done and, um, and that it can be, you know, that there is for some demand for, for, this, uh, for this bridge vision. This is, this is uh, I would say, the main, the main objectives that we have. Obviously, I'm sure further down the road, some things will go faster than we expected. Some things will be longer. 
the only thing that I'm telling you that we'll be sure is that we'll find a new opportunity, a new type of product to build because our clients will ask it for us. And we already have, the year hasn't even started probably, we already have a lot of diversions to the roadmap that we need to stay disciplined about. But yeah, and you know, yeah, that's it. So, so Eli, real quick, is are is your systems built on actual decentralized, uh, you know, platforms? Or are you running a centralized software to to make all this happen? For speaking about the Merlin and the DeFi aggregator that we're building, um, it's a DAP, um, and um, it's mainly a connector between our platform and different platforms. So we are not, we're chain agnostic because we need to aggregate uh, protocols from different, uh, and DeFi protocol from different chain. So uh, this will be that. Now um, our um, smart contract that will be built to be able to allow the customers to run some DeFi strategies this will be on Ethereum, but of course it will be a DAP, which is a, uh, it's a decentralized application. Now, the other part, the bridge, um, I would say it will be half-half between decentralized and not decentralized, because you understand that there is a lot of regulatory um, issues in there, and not everyone will be able to use that bridge. So the validators of that bridge um, will be vetted before they become validators. So I would say semi-permission. Well, and that's that's why I was asking because you know yes. you guys are are you know when you when you touch TradFi like there's lots yes. of laws, regulations, right. and, and whatever. Yeah. So I was really curious how how you were attacking that problem. So it's interesting to hear. So I want to dive back into the TradFi product, right? I think we went yeah. through Merlin. That was really cool. So like I, I'd love to get the how is the TradFi product different? Like what does it offer? Like what what is the product? Again, start from a high level, and we'll dive in from yeah. There. So, the first of all, the problem that the TradFi solution solves is the following. Most TradFi institutions, especially in private market and sales side, which are the ones we're, we're targeting, have not made any digital transformation. They just realized during COVID that they could do deals via Zoom and that maybe it was time for them to start getting some digital systems in place. At the same time that this happened, there is a shift where you know all the infrastructure behind capital markets will be based on blockchain-based systems and on tokenized assets. So what the TradFi solution offers is two things in one. First, with the same tool, which is white label, and they can like set it up in 30 minutes, they can become a, they can go from an analog, you know, financial institution to a digital one. So they get a digital back office, digital investor portal, a possibility to upload any kind of deal and have all of their investors you know, with a digital profile inside their own ecosystem. So they move from just being an analog institution to being a digital ecosystem, digital marketplace, where they can manage their investors, propose deals to them, get all the deal to close into one into one space. And this is something urgent for most of these institutions. So we enable them to do that, you know, without having to hire a tech team and spend like six months brainstorming on how they're going to do this. And then what's interesting is that, you know, without them making any extra efforts, we offer them several possibilities, right, where they can get some upside. The first one is they can all have, because there are such are tokenized, a very fluid internal secondary market on their platform. So they can allow, you know, one investor that's gone into this SME, this fund or this debt deal to, you know, potentially get out of it and they can arrange liquidity among their network of investors. The second thing is that they can then directly access 
some liquidity venues through their platform, such as digital exchanges that we're integrating with. And they can also access all of the other platforms and ecosystems that we're powering. So the 100 institutions today that have a Vault platform, they can essentially connect to the other institutions that are using the same platform and send each other deals. And this is possible because the assets are tokenized and everything is running on the same standard. Now, further down the line, the unique differentiator about, about this TradFi product is that because it allows you to tokenize all the assets that you've uploaded onto it, should you want to have that link with DeFi, should you want to use that asset as collateral, for example, to borrow from DeFi, you can already do it. And we offer that with a very seamless experience without our clients having to hire specialists and tech teams uh, in order to do that. So we solve the problem of today and we prepare them for the infrastructure and the opportunities of tomorrow. This is exactly how it works. All of that in 30 minutes without any headache. Fantastic. Cool. Awesome. So I'm, I'm curious, how do you solve the contractual issues? I think one of the big challenges, obviously, with tokenizing assets is that, like, if there's real world contracts, they would realistically take precedence. So how does that? So basically what you're tokenizing and what you're putting on the smart contract is exactly the same rules that exist in the traditional existing contract, right? And what this enables is that all of that is coded in the standard that is understandable amongst different platforms. So it brings some value when you want to move that asset from, let's say, one platform to another, if you want to share it and distribute it to a wider audience, from one platform to an exchange, or if you want to take that particular asset, whether it's equity, some paper, uh, you know, fund or, or, or whatever, and use it as collateral to borrow, for example, against it. So there is no reinventing the wheel in terms of the, of the financial contract, except if you, you know, natively create some sort of new asset. We are replicating the rules that exist today. So who can have access to the deal? Um, if there are some life cycle elements, such as interest payments and so on and so forth, they can be put in there. Um, restrictions around also financial promotion, like, you know, who can this be shared to? Um, whitelist, backlist, et cetera, et cetera. Right, so it's an L1, it's a DAP. Like, how does it, how does it work? So, yeah, today it's, yeah, it's a DAP. And today our tokenization platform is built on Corda. So think about it as an application that is running on Corda. Fabulous. Love it. So, so guys, um, again, as as a, a few of the uh, you know, really, like I said, you're you're at the very center of Web three. Uh, DeFi is looking at you now for a little bit of direction and how to integrate with TradFi. What what else are you seeing out there that's just you got you guys excited? Other projects and and uh, like I said, you, you've you've been very um, you know clear about you know what where you think things are working and not working. But what do you think that is just really cool out there, or any other projects that kind of have you guys going? Wow, that's a neat thing. Um, I mean, I think we can speak about uh, about several type. We can speak about the projects that are similar to what we do in a sense, and you know some of them you know are are super interesting, and then some other ones that are in in another space. So. Uh, Lee, maybe I can start very quickly, but like personally, I'm I'm very interested in what Centrifuge is doing. Um, they've built like a, a very very cool product, and we were close to the teams, and uh, and they have have actually put in motion what you know could have been a chicken and egg problem for many years in the industry, um, and they have some really cool stuff going going ahead. Hey, what's the like? 
description of what they do just for our listeners that might not yeah so they've created some pools um in which they can you know raise money from DeFi investors and these pools are re-injected and deployed into uh, trade finance assets and then it can be some other types of uh of uh, of assets further down the line very close to that i mean we love what maker's doing not only with dai but what they're doing with also financing um financing um uh, taking, you know, what they did with Société Générale, they took a bond, tokenized bond, and created some, uh, and refinanced it this way. Um, obviously, following a lot what um, uh, what uh, Olympus DAO is doing, uh, which is, you know, very innovative and uh, has had a lot of success recently. Um, in a completely different uh, uh, ecosystem, but uh, I really like what Trader Joe has achieved. Uh, in the Avalanche ecosystem, which is um, uh, which, and they have managed to achieve some pretty incredible APY, uh, APY and TVL, um, given their uh, recent existence. Also, our friends at Colony, it's uh, an incubator, uh, an accelerator based on Avalanche, that's doing um, a great job. And uh, this is on, I would say, for me personally, the projects that. Uh, that I've been following closely, that I would say are close to what we do. Now, if I can just put a little uh, a shout out on more unrelated projects, there is a project that's coming out soon called Ultimate Champions, which is a football play to earn. I mean, soccer, you guys are in the US, play to earn system that's been uh, purged by and created by an awesome team of ex Ubisoft guys. So they have, you know, they're huge football fans and they have that gaming experience. And I can tell you what they're going to push soon is uh, is going to be interesting. And then we hear every day about some cool projects. Um, we're advising on 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 one around uh, around entertainment and DJs with some top names as well that are going to come out. So you have no idea about the levels of of creativity that exists, especially in all the metaverse stuff. Like, uh, oh, it's, it's unreal. It's 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 unreal. And like, you know, there are some r- real talented and experienced teams that have built these things in the real world and now want to put them onto the metaverse. And we're, we're all about, you know, supporting these. Well, Sorry. you know, and, 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 you know, really to, to just tie on to what you said, we're still early. We're still so yeah, yeah, yeah. early in this. And, and, you know, really the innovation and the, in, and people understanding what's possible, what's not possible. I mean, we haven't even seen, you know, what's possible. You guys, I mean, clearly are, are some of the most, you know, ingrained right now in TradFi and, and moving that space forward. And you're still you're still in building phase. You're still in conceptual phase in some points. It's awesome. Yeah. I thought Antoine would speak more about metaverse because I know that he's a big fan of it. Yeah, that's my big thing. But sometimes I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm I'm so into it, and I and I get some ideas that are so like yeah that are that that are so weird that I I, so I don't want to tell them. Uh, Online because it's well, 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 I, I would be happy on another Zoom with you and brainstorm yeah. all day long as well. Yeah, so so metaverse, I'm um, I'm excited about it, but not about uh, like. So there is the metaverse where you're in complete different um, ecosystem, which is completely digital, which is nice, but. Myself, I don't really understand it. And there is the metaverse, which is uh, I'm here in my room or um, um, in the street or in the in a shop, and there is a lot of NFT stuff that I can buy. This, for me, speaks more to me, and I think this is interesting. Now, about what is exciting me, 
I can't be more excited than about our own project because <laughs> I was telling a friend um, a week ago, if I had to create a job and work in job, it would be my actual job. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't be more excited. So one thing that we are trying to do in DeFi, and it's only the first step that we've done, is really understanding all those smart contracts that uh, what's happening in them. Like when we do a breakdown of how much you earned, how much you lost, um, yield, and so on, we are not only understanding your position, but your behavior. Okay, we can understand: Are you a good trader, a bad trader? Are you cautious, not cautious, risky, not risky? And I think we can really push this um, further because today DeFi is. Uh, compared to traditional finance and the data that the banks and uh, card provider they have about us. Uh, we have no data today in DeFi and people are heavily trading. So what's happening about understanding the, the behavior, it's a technical hurdle that we are trying also to, to solve. You know, I, I'd like to point that out, to point out, and, and spend another second on that because I think what you said is actually very profound here, and mo most people may not understand what it is you just said. Banks, financial <laughs> institutions, and, and and nation states as well filter the data of of currencies, of trades, of of the economy to what they want uh, the, the the end user, the the human capital, us to see. And what DeFi and and what Valk and, and others in and around Web three are trying to do is essentially say the data is all there. How you want what you want to see and how you want to see it should be the choice of of, of us, the people, not of you know a, a very centralized uh, closed door uh, you know entity uh, yeah. of which we're we're being spoon fed what what they think we should see. And Jay, the funniest thing is that the data that is being analyzed today by private companies. It's not accessible data. The data that we're analyzing is accessible data. It's just that it's not that easy to understand that blockchain is open to anyone. Like anyone can go and get the data that we're getting, but they just need to structure them in the right way so they are able to understand them, to show them to the user, and so on and so on. And I'm sure that a lot of people will come into that uh, that space. So we need to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we appreciate you guys trailblazing, and, and really, you are today, and, and it's absolutely fabulous. So, um, from from all of us at Y Whales and and all around the world, thank you guys for taking the time to, to swing on in. We know you're uh, you guys are extremely busy, and one of the things I'd love uh, if you can figure out as well is how to deal with the time zones uh, and the fact that crypto never sleeps. If we could just pause the markets, like maybe just like a two hour like like you know just break for everyone to get a get a minute and check their emails. Um, but absolutely love it. So so glad to hear you guys are in the space. Uh, congratulations on all the success. How? What's the best way uh, for people to find you, learn more, uh, and also apply for maybe beta testing if possible? Yeah, so for anyone that is, interesting, uh, that is interested to have access to our um, Merlin product, they can go to defi.valktech slash wallet, and they can subscribe for the beta testers. Um, we have a big list, but I promise that we'll try to do several phases. And then uh, once you have uh, your email, we can directly inform you um, about um, the release and when you, you can start using this um, DeFi smart wallet. And yeah, and we will um, share with you. I don't know if we can do it in post uh, Twitter, Telegram. Yeah. 
uh, and emails and you can reach out to us on any of these if there's uh, anything you're happy and especially unhappy about because these are the comments we want to we hear first. Well, that, and that's really important. I mean, listen, feedback is part of it. And you guys, have, uh, we've heard how amazing your community is and, and, and how responsive you guys are. Um, so again, thanks for swinging by and uh, we'll, we'll catch you guys. Uh, I, I'm excited for an update here uh, probably later on this year. So be good. Thanks. For- Perfect. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbach, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. Why Whales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.